What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to it from. But clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And uh, that is super helpful in uh, contributing to the sustainability of this thing. It shoots it up into the tops of the iTunes charts so uh, strangers find it and it gets more visibility on the uh, national and international levels so appreciate the hell out of anybody that's already taken the time to do so it's a free way to help and uh appreciate you tuning in checking this thing out got episode 210 coming at you my buddy andy sado making his return to the podcast stoked that i had the opportunity to catch up with andy always a good time talking with him uh we'll get into that momentarily you can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features in-studio performances as well as live show performances. DanCablePresents.com is the central location to find everything. And at Dan Cable Presents on Instagram is where you can find me most active on the social media. And uh, I will put all those links in the episode notes along with... Uh, the links for Andy, so you can follow Andy if you uh, if you dig his tunes and you dig this chat, which uh, I think you will. I think you will quite enjoy this. We had a lot of fun. Um, also, this uh, this past Wednesday, just a couple days ago, I dropped the uh, the reboot of the I Dig Records podcast that uh, I had been doing with my cousin before I started this Dan Cable Presents podcast. So that is also going to end up on the Dan Cable Presents feed every uh, couple weeks or so. You can find a, uh, a episode of that. So the first one is out. I Dig Records. The reboot episode, volume one, is, uh, is up there. The uh, premise for it is that each of us, my cousin, Rob, Bobby Grooves, Granfelt, picks a record i pick a record and then we both uh we we take the time to listen to it and then we have this this uh this discussion about the records and we play some of the tracks and we also just play some of the parts while we're talking to provide a little context so it's basically just a hang and and us listening to the record and uh super fun so the first episode of that is available and um we did the Cockatoo Twins, Heaven or Las Vegas. It's a 1990 release. That was a record that I had not uh, gotten into before and uh, been getting a lot of comments about that. Lots of people 
that I know seem to know about that record. So it's uh, it's cool that I'm in the know about that one. It's a it's really great. I'm way into it now. But uh, so the Cockatoo Twins, Heaven in Las Vegas, and then a band called Young Jesus, who is based out of Los Angeles, California, that I saw at the Pickathon Music Festival this past year. We did um, we did one of their records, Young Jesus's 2018 release which is called the whole thing is just there. So we talked about those two records. So check that out and uh, look for that in the, uh, the Dan Cable Presents feed, um, hopefully more frequently. So maybe in a couple of weeks, volume two will drop. We're going to, uh, in that episode, we'll be talking Meek Mill and Raylan Baxter. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see what else. Not too much else going on. Everybody's just hanging out, doing this quarantine thing still. So I hope uh, hope y'all are being safe and uh, finding ways to occupy your time that aren't driving you crazy. And if you're going to a day job, um, you know, keep doing your thing. Of course, big thanks to you know all the all the people in the the medical field right now keeping people uh keeping people alive and just dealing with the storm of of sick people and and trying to keep them themselves safe and and not get infected with this this wild this wild virus themselves it's a pretty pretty noble thing to to be doing and I can't imagine those people are getting too many days off right now so that's uh that's some heavy shit and uh i'm stoked man i'm stoked to be doing this thing still and keep uh keep pumping out these episodes like i said all the links will be in the episode notes appreciate the fuck out of you for uh for tuning in checking out the thing andy sado is uh is a dude i met a few years ago he uh i met him through my friend andrew who gets uh, brought up in this podcast as we talk about our uh our bible buds podcast for a moment um but I met Andy through Andrew. We set up this show for Andy's band a few years ago that we threw at the Secret Society here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, we've kept in contact ever since. And he uh, housed us when I went on tour with Brother Not Brother when we cruised out to Denver and we got to stay a few days out there. And yeah, he's just a great dude. He's, he's always working very hard as a independent musician to uh, figure out ways to get better and just how to further his career. And I, I just always enjoy our chats, whether it's on the mics or off the mics. Um, just a, a really cool dude. He's got his own podcast called Middle Class Rockstar. And um, that comes out every other week or so. So I'll put the link in the episode notes for that as well. And pretty cool. We're for the first time doing this uh, kind of a crossover episode where we're both releasing this in our feeds, just the the same conversation. So this is going in the middle-class rock star uh, feed as an episode of Andy's podcast, and, and obviously you're listening to it on, uh, on my podcast right now, episode 210. So it was, uh, yeah, great chat with Andy. Definitely... Search Andy Sado on the uh, on the old YouTube's and you'll find some some music videos as well as the lyric video for "Still My Girl," um, which I mentioned at the end of the episode. 
And um, also, he's got this other great video. I can't think of the song, but it's all like hand-drawn, which is crazy good. It's uh, It's a couple years old now, I think. But he's also got a brand new video for his most recent single that he put out, which is called Wicked Dreams. And that's what we're going to kick off this episode with. So you can find that as well. And uh, don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. Can't stress the importance of that enough. Be safe out there. And uh, we're going to get into it, man. Episode 210. Andy Sado on the podcast again. Kicking it off with a, a track from Andy on Wicked Dreams. Let's do the damn thing. I was a young man out of college. I just needed to get out. Kept a guitar in my pocket. But it didn't make a sound. Started up in California. And I went from town to town Ended up in Louisiana Where my feet never hit the ground
different kind of tone doing man dude i'm doing all right um just i don't know hanging out it's been like a year so i was thinking about it the last time i saw you was when you came for the owl's den residency and that was february of 2019 here in portland oregon yeah um so that was the last time i actually saw you i feel bad i've made it to colorado a couple times this last year and they've just been like super short trips uh, seeing a buddy that had moved out there and didn't get a chance to, uh, to link up with you. I know, I know. I, I, uh, I still want to, you know, hang out and I want to take you around my town. Yeah, dude. I'm, I, I <laughs> next, next Colorado visit is just going to be to come see you. It should, it should be. And I think Portland and Denver are very similar cities in a lot of ways. It feels like at home to be in Portland. And it was funny when you were talking about coming out to Denver, uh, you said, well, what's something Denver that I can do? I was like, oh, you should hit up Voodoo Donuts. And you're like, dude, that's Portland. That's a Portland <laughs> thing. You guys just have one. Dude, what what about Twist and Shout Records, though? Dude? Twist that- and Shout Records. That's where it's at. We just went, I mean, before oh, all this happened. Dude, so good. Um, I I think that in Portland... We're pretty spoiled with some great record stores. There's two of them that are like, I'm always trying to decide which one is my favorite. And it's usually the one that I've been to most recently. Cause That's they're just a good problem. both so good. And yep. uh, yeah, Twist and Shout really kind of, that was up there for me. That place kind of blew my mind. I just really like the setup of it. It's huge. And they just have, uh, they have some really cool stuff there. It's, they, they do. I mean, it's, uh, Allie and I recently kind of restored our record collection. You have been doing it again, where we make a point to sit with the screen door open at night and listen to a record, um, for us in the neighborhood, whether they like it or not. And so we've been, well, not in the last month, but right before this all started happening, we were running out to record stores. And when you go somewhere like twist, it's, uh, you can spend hours in there. Yeah. It's like a record store out of a movie. I feel like. Yes. Yes. But I, you gotta, you gotta show me the uh, Portland record scene. Oh man. We have second Avenue records is downtown and that place is really amazing. It's, uh, I think it's been there since the eighties, maybe a little earlier, but that place is wild because they don't have anything on, uh, like they don't have a computer system. They do everything by hand still. I see. And, but if you just ask the people that work there where, like if they have a record, they just know, they know where it is. It's incredible, dude. Like, Oh, that record, my cousin goes in there and it just asks them all these obscure about obscure jazz records sometimes yeah and and he's just like 
Oh, yeah. We usually have like two copies over there, and every once in a while, one over there. Um, yeah, we get them in pretty often. It's just like, what? How do you know everything in this store? And and just, yeah, just mind-blowing that they're just operating on this uh, no computer technology to inventory this store still, and uh, it obviously well, I- works for them. It's it's crazy, and I think to work at a record store, I mean, a lot of people are like, I like records, I'm a record fanatic. In order to actually work at a record store, I mean, that's you have to have a doctorate in record listening. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Um, and then we have Music Millennium, which is also amazing. That's on the east side. Um, pretty close to uh, that spot that we all had breakfast that morning with Andrew and... Uh, Who's the woman from that you knew from Colorado that was here playing with Ila Bamba? Uh, Julia. Julia, yeah. Julia Mendiolea. Yep, she's still playing. Uh, she's still playing with them. Yeah, she is. And now my friend Isabel is also yes. playing in Ila Bamba. She was playing in it then. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess maybe she was because she did the residency with me one night, and she it was oh, like that's right. And she, because she didn't do the full leg of the tour, she was teaching or something. But she did like the Seattle and the Portland shows. Uh, yeah, she's actually going to be next week's episode of the podcast. And yes, her debut EP is coming out, and it's so fucking good. It's it's really cool to see somebody take that much time before they put something out. Someone that's pl- been playing music as long as her. Is you get this first release that is just Giant. pretty mu- polished and mature, you know, for a first right. release. It's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, I cannot say that about my first release or my third or second or fourth. Well, you you just you've it been takes doing time. this a long time. It takes time, and you didn't wait, you know, right. years to to finally lay something down. So, I mean, that's the other end of it is where you have all of this. Uh, progress that's documented over time which i think is really cool yeah it's 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 interesting they're interesting approaches and uh i think i'm really excited to hear what she comes up with because i i love her 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 singing and songwriting and we had so much fun together at the at the owl's den show and i've been following her on the socials since um so i'm excited to hear it um do you still like to play the songs from your first releases or do many of them even make it into the the sets these days? I don't know that I like it. Um, some of them <laughs> still get some of them still get requested. On my live stream a couple weeks ago, I had to uh, put the kibosh on any songs I wrote between the ages of sixteen and twenty two. I was just like, <laughs> "Stop! We're not gonna do we're not gonna do Mountain Town. We're not gonna do I sold my soul to Robert Johnson. You know, we're gonna we're t- we've taken those out of the set list." <laughs> Those are no good anymore. No good. But, and, and that might be why people that have known me s- since then like to hear those, you know, just because I'm a, a different artist now and, uh, they still want to hear those, those old ones. I, you know, for whatever reason, I mean the, the new ones especially, but it's fun on the live stream to say, Hey, pull out, pull out that old school stuff, you know, for nostalgia sake. Yeah. I mean... It seems to go that way for for most artists, 
and musicians, you know, everybody always wants to hear the old stuff still, you know, and I think that's the hard part about, yeah. you know, like creating some sort of career that has longevity, you know, to keep putting out things that people actually do want to listen to and not just want to hear the old stuff. Cause you, I don't know, you see that as time goes on, I think with certain bands that are touring and they're still just only touring off of things that they made 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And yeah, no one really cares that much when when they play the new stuff. Um, the crowd is you, clearly not that attentive. Maybe that's the time where they go to the bar. They're just kind of talking. But then, but then you have the bands that just their fan base is just incredibly loyal and trusting in whatever they're going to put out next, and they know all the words to every record. So it's I don't know. It's, it's wild to see. It's interesting. I think a lot about this, and and you can play a lot of games of would you rather with your musician friends, right? Is, um, I I think about bands that the odds are so stacked against them if they put out anything new and when they put out new things because nobody cares. Like, um, everybody still loves the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones are amazing, one of the greatest bands ever. They put out a, a new album of all originals. They're, I mean, they're going to make millions of dollars off of it because they're the Stones, but people aren't going to go to their show and want to hear those songs. People don't want to hear... I mean, Billy Joel hasn't released anything since, like, 98 or something for that reason. He's like, he, he's got all this stuff, and that's what people want to hear. Right. But that can be tortu- that can be torturous, too, and, and there are those artists that are not on that level. Right. But they're selling out 1,000, 2,000-seat rooms, and their fan base is with them all the way. And I almost think in some ways that might even be more rewarding at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's cool to see an artist that can keep the attention of the audience though. And, and, uh, where everybody's stoked that they're playing the new stuff as well. Well, do you think there's a correlation between somebody who, getting too much attention off the bat means that there's a ceiling, right? Or, you know, oh, you get absolutely. A ton, as opposed to somebody who gradually moves up can sort of keep their people. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's also, uh, I think that's true. And I think that, um, I think it's harder for those people that just gain immediate success that overnight success because maybe you weren't actually ready for it as an artist or a musician you know the the person that within their first 20 songs one of them becomes that big hit and then it's just like yeah i wasn't even i've only been playing music for a year or two you know i wasn't ready to you know have all these these musical chops and this like sense of direction for what i should do with my career from now on, you know? So it I, defines them as an artist when they don't know themselves as an artist. Yeah. Where the bands that like kind of, I feel like maybe have a lot of that middle class success in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, a lot of those more independent bands, the ones that also maybe don't have to have their, their direction compromised so much and they don't have to, you know, work with so many producers and other songwriters maybe that they don't want to work with and more just thrown in a room with. 
Right. It seems like a lot of those bands, those bands have those kind of loyal fan bases that do want to hear that next record. Um, I don't know. I follow a decent amount of bands in that world. I would say one that maybe I've brought up on my podcast a lot. Um, and, and just a band that I love is, is this band thrice and, um, Oh yeah. Post rock band that has been around for 20 years or so now, maybe a little more. And I don't know, it's just really cool to go to those shows and, and you, you show up and they play, you know, they're going to play four to six songs off that new record. They don't give a fuck. They're going to play that shit. And, and then most of the people in that room, they're going to know all the words to those songs still too. And that, that shit is fun to see because everybody is still really hyped too. And when we get to hear the songs off those early records too, and it's just kind of this thing where usually I'll end up going with my, my buddy Bert, shout out to my buddy Bert, man. Like he's, he's my, like my thrice ride or die concert buddy. And yeah, I just remember going like the last time he was like, dude, what do you, what do you want them to play tonight? And I was like, I don't give a fuck, dude. I'll, I'm down for any song in this catalog. So like, it's, it's kind of fun to go to shows like that too, where you don't have any expectations for what they're going to play. And it's just like, yeah, I just want to hear whatever you guys want to play. Cause I'm down for it all. You don't need to hear their free bird. You just, you're going to yeah. love, you're going to love their first record. You're going to love their most recent record for different reasons. And, and in that, and in that, those cases, it's, you truly have fallen in love with, um, you've truly fallen in love with, the artist in their brand, you know, that's what you're, um, it's not, you're no, you're not falling in love with the song. You've, you've fallen in love with this individual or this band and what they do. And no matter what they do, you're still going to dig it. Um, and that's a, that's a real fan. I think if, that you yeah. made. It's, uh, for sure. I mean, I hope that I don't like, I'm, yes, I'm probably going to like, anything or most of what they put out. I hope I don't like anything that I wouldn't like. I shouldn't like, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Just because I'm a fan. Right. Um, but like thus far, I just feel like it's, it's not even just me. It's like the, the fan base for this, this band all like agrees, like the majority agrees that like, Hey, we're all on board with this new shit, you know? Yeah. And, and we're all here to see that too. Um, where, you know, I've, and I'll go see some other bands that, you know, maybe have put out a couple of records the last 10 years, but most of the people you go that are going to those shows are there to see them play the old stuff. And then it does get to those like very non-attentive moments, you know, those bathroom moments, go to the bar moments of like when the new songs are being played. So, right. But, right. you know, hopefully people are just making the records they want to make. Hopefully that's what what you're doing over there with with yeah. your with your new jams. I, I'm I'm sitting in the producer chair for the first time and doing a lot of the recording at home too. So it's uh, I mean doing a lot of it in the studio, but a lot at home, and it's been a lot of fun to sit down um, and write and arrange horn parts and write and arrange vocal parts and sit at home with a guitar solo for three hours and really get it right, not paying a dollar a minute. Um, and uh, no, it's been cool because we can dial it in with the band and, and then take it take it home and work with it. But I I feel better about this stuff than anything I've done because I've gotten really involved 
with the recording process and really involved with the production kind of for the first time. I didn't really understand, or I, I, I didn't really have an appreciation for production, but I've spent a lot of time in logic over the last couple years, uh, went back and, uh, studied, uh, music for film and television, arranging for an orchestra for a little over a year um, through Berkeley Online, and I've just been in it on the on the production level, and I'm really oh, excited yeah, about the stuff for that reason. On the previous records, had you worked with producers on those? Yeah. Uh, so Chris Daniels produced Reasons for Departure, which came out in 2018, and he did a phenomenal job. Um, he's a He's uh, was a professor of mine in college, actually, a music business professor, but he's been in the scene forever and has toured all over the world with Chris Daniels and the Kings. Um, and then the engineer produced my first two records, and my third record was by my buddy Nick Clark. So it, I mean, I think right away I didn't even, wasn't even really aware of the role of a producer. So we just like, let's make a record, you know? Yeah. And, uh, the engineer was great and knew what he was doing, so naturally he was going to produce it. Um, I think right around the time you came here was when you were just getting going with that um, that program you did at Berkeley. Um, yeah. What inspired you to want to do that? Well, I've always been really into movie music. Um, I've always loved listening to orchestra soundtracks, um, and I just think the melodies are great and all the counter melodies working within each other is really advanced. It's really cool. And I'm fascinated by how music has a very clear emotion. You can do a chord progression, you know, like a minor one to a four chord and it sounds spacey. You know, there's, there's certain music theory things that are, that define an emotion and beyond that, a lot of great film composers have defined the emotion themselves. Um, and so now people associate that emotion with the composer's music that he made for it. And to me, that's, that's fascinating. So I, I did it for that reason. What I didn't expect was to um, fall in love with the art of production. And that's, that's really what I've gotten out of it is I go listen to records now and try to hear exactly how they're made um, as opposed to write a song and, and then just go record it with the band. Um, so it's, it's opened me up musically a lot, I should say. Yeah, do you find yourself kind of maybe just checking out records just by producer too, like finding a certain producer and then just kind of going through their catalog rather than checking out records by band? Yeah, I'm I'm starting to a little bit. I've been uh I listen to, you know, records by artists that I really like, you know, but if I go get three Chuck Prophet records or three Anders Osborne records or Jason Isbell records, for instance, and he's been getting produced by Dave Cobb and you're like, okay, what else has this guy produced? Holy shit. And then is there a theme here? Does he I mean and, and these great producers, they have trademarks, but at the same time they do what's best for the artist style and i i think that's so cool yeah absolutely it's it's interesting to see producers that have just worked with tons of different bands and and to see the mark that they put on records and and that sound that seems to like be this through line on each record in some way uh, absolutely it's it's awesome and i've i've 
produced a few tracks for other artists now as well in the last few months, and that's just been that's a fascinating thing to do. I love it. Yeah, what's that? What's that experience been like for you? Do you feel like you're you're trying to approach each artist differently, or or is there like some sort of model that you're bringing into it before well, interacting with them? I think I'm figuring that out as I go. Um, I I don't know that I could do any genre right now. I don't know that I would be a great producer on a hip hop record. Um, but with singer songwriters and rock and roll and stuff, I um, mean Americana music, um, the stuff that I like, I, I feel like I can do a good job of it. In terms of my process, I, I want the artist to. I want to bring out who the artist is as a as an artist. Um, but what I've done for these several tracks is sat down. They play me iPhone demos. I say okay. We, let's try X, Y, and Z with the lyrics. Let's try X, Y, and Z with the form. Once we get that put together, I take it home and I record everything uh, myself at home. I just demo it just to sit in within the song, whether it's a drum beat or a, a bass line or a guitar organ. I just kind of structure it together and then we sit down with it from there and say, well, what works? What do we need to add? What do we need to take away? And, you know. And I'm and I'm learning every day. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, that's the cool thing about you kind of producing in your lane right now, like in that singer songwriter rock and roll, like bluesy rock area. Is that you know you can go home and do something like that. You're a super capable musician, and I would imagine that's where you can offer the most right now too to Absolutely. someone else. So um, when it comes to actually recording those songs are you finding yourself playing a lot then on on the records as well yes i i have been and i think that's my strength as a producer at this point um less less in the engineer lane although i'm getting better some producers are doing all of the engineering um but it's the instrumental thing in the in the musical thing and so there's been songs where i'm just in the band you know if we're cutting it live and i'm the guitar player um, but then there's been stuff where I'm layering in a lap steel and an organ and a piano. And I know that's fun to be able to bring that to the table. Hell yeah, dude. Um, so. Do you feel like that's informing your own songwriting too? Like all of those experiences? A hundred percent. You, well, I, I've really noticed when I fall into a hole form wise or style wise, not, not a hole, but, um, where I'm able to categorize myself a little too well. Like, hey, I'm doing this in all of my songs. And by producing this track, these tracks for somebody else and analyzing these tracks, they do this other thing that's different, that's cool, form-wise, whatever. And so I I learn from them and, and how they do things. And it sort of changes my own approach as a, as a writer and composer as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's rad, man. It's cool that you're leaning into that stuff I, and i don't know you just uh you just strike me as somebody that's just going to continue to uh add more tools to the to the belt you know like over time now you're now you're becoming like more of that producer role and like learning more about the engineering side which is obviously going to be like an incredible tool for you moving forward i think if i just keep 
trying to get better and better at my craft in every way that I can, eventually uh, something good will happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hope, man. That's the hope. What's up? At least oh, go you ahead. know you're fucking going for it, you know, and, and trying yep. to do those things to move the needle forward and whatnot. Absolutely. And even if I don't know how to move the needle forward, uh, doing something uh, will at least inspire that in some way, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude. Absolutely. So I remember last time uh, we were, we were ch- well, we've chatted a couple times on the phone, but we were hanging out in Portland. We went to... This great sub shop was it Charles Charlie's Charles, Deli, dude. Charlie's Deli, it's a fucking sleeper of Portland. Uh-huh. Sandwiches no. right there. Yeah. No, there was nobody in there. Uh, yeah, the, it's a sleeper. The four times I went that week, and uh, <laughs> but we went there and had oh, some lunch, yeah. and it was it was real cool. And I remember we were we were talking. You've been a big influencer in the Portland scene for a long time. Uh, management podcast. You just you're there. You're everybody knows Dan. Whenever I meet somebody from Portland, <laughs> they know who you are. Um, so you're doing something right. But I remember in our conversation, you were sort of reconsidering who you want to be in the scene, how you want to be in the scene. Um, where do you stand right now with all that? Oh man, the ever changing, the ever changing, uh, you know, question. I feel like I'm just like, Oh, I feel like I'm trying to always analyze that in some way just to, you know, do some inventory on what I'm, uh, what I'm about and like what's actually working and like what's worth the energy. But, um, obviously right now there's no, there's no shows to be booking or promoting or anything like that. Um, yeah, right. So I think when I first started doing the podcast, my intention was to just do this podcast. And, uh, and then I started meeting a lot of people and, um, uh, having so many bands come through and, and, just kind of starting to see like bills or lineups of bands that I would want to see in, in a night. And it was just like, you know what? I should just try to put something together. And I did that a few times and it was pretty cool. And I started doing it more and more. And I think that is the thing that will burn me out the quickest is trying to put together those live events. Yes. So... What I had settled on before all this went down is that I think maybe what I need to do to still enjoy doing that aspect of things is is maybe just throwing one to two events each year and focusing on those two things instead of trying to throw, I don't know, 10 to 15 events every year, you know? Right. And his, I don't know, booking things is exhausting in itself. The communication that it takes to make things happen is, um, can be difficult, but I think the biggest thing for me is that doing this on an, on the local level where it's, it's still like pretty hit or miss on how many people are going to show up to, to an event. Even if you have some banging lineup, especially here in Portland, we have so many music venues now that, Sometimes getting that that Friday or Saturday night at the venue that you want isn't always a sure thing anymore. And it's just like you got to start considering, hey, maybe I should have the best show on a Wednesday night because there's going to be less competition and things like that. But the thing is, is just that I I rode high for a while on on having 
pretty successful shows in the beginning. Yeah. And then I hit I hit a rut with it, or maybe not even a rut, but where it was just became a little more inconsistent where it'd be like, oh, I have like a really great turnout. And then maybe the next time I have not a good turnout and then I have another two great turnouts and then a dud here and there. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I had a couple nights where I really fucking went for it and put out some guarantees for bands in a bill that I really believed in. And, and I lost my ass one night. Sorry, I'm getting all fucking tangled up over here on my, <laughs> my, my mic situation, but I just had a couple of those nights that kind of like emotionally drained me. And I think also when I put my name in front of somebody and I'm putting together a bill, I feel responsible in some way that about the turnout and what that is, even right. though it should be like a pretty equal thing amongst the bands, especially at the level that I'm usually dealing at with, you know, right. where it's just like, Hey guys, like, yeah, it's rad that I have this podcast to promote the show every week for the next month or two. But also this doesn't really necessarily equate to 50 to a hundred people showing up to this show. You know, like if 10 to 20 people show up that listen to this podcast, like that's a win, you know? Yeah. You know? So it's, it's gotta, gotta be like the group effort thing, but it's also, uh, yeah, I don't know, man, that can be emotionally draining on me because I feel, I do feel responsible. So on the nights where it isn't a great turnout, I don't feel great. Like it's a, it's a, yeah, it's uh so it's just a little draining. So I've kind of figured that part out and it's just like, Hey, like, let's just dial it back then and maybe focus on doing these one to two events so that I can put the other energy into shit that I actually enjoy doing. And it's right. still doing like the number one thing is still like doing this podcast. I still love doing this podcast and I love it so much that I have, you know, one and a half other podcasts now, you know? So it's, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I've, I've kind of like assessed what's important and I'm, and I'm not really doing any of the artist management brother, not brother went on hiatus, which was, and, um, I'm kind of helping another buddy do, do some release work. I think I'm like definitely about like helping people, you know, work on release stuff and, and help them and consult with them in some way on things like that. I think that's where, like, I love those meetings. Those meetings right. are fun. I like being in the room for those types of things. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, helping Isabeau uh, plan some, uh, just some release, some press stuff. And, uh, like, I don't know, just just uh, being thought of even in that way by people is is very cool for me still because I'm, like, this is all just fucking i started this to have fun and to just get to know the artists that i really dug in this town and it's become so much more so yeah i i think there's something really cool about what you are and and who you uh, who you are and what you do excuse me um it's most people in the music industry or most people that i run into or most people that are doing things online are musicians that are trying to draw traction for themselves of course of course. Yeah, that, that, for sure. It's your me. business. Yeah, it's your, yeah. That's your business, man. It's your business. You have to. And uh, you came in to the business to meet people because you're a fan of music and because you wanted to spread the good word of music. And that's genuinely what, genuinely what you're trying to do. You're not saying that in hopes that somebody will subscribe to your channel. 
right? And and you can show them your music. You are a music enthusiast first and foremost, and that makes you just a great person to be around, a great resource for musicians and a great person to know. Um, and and like I said earlier, an influencer in the scene because you're everywhere, you're a fan, and, and you really are you're not just going out on on a, a Friday night so that your friend will come see your band. You're you're there because you you love it and you want to be there. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I can't say that it's all like you know that there's no selfish aspects to it. You know, I'm obviously like trying sure. to build my own podcast brand too, in hopes that like I can take this to a different level and so that it maybe provides some financial, you know, like to figure out how to monetize it in some ways to keep it sustainable, mm-hmm. you know, to, just to allow more energy to be put in into it. But yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just been so cool. Like I never thought I would be this part, like have any role in, in a community, like a music community in a, in like in a city, you know, like a cool city, quote unquote, you know, like a very cool city. Like I, I was never, I've never been a part of like this deep into a community and I still don't know half the people in it. Like it's, it's a, cause it's always growing and changing and you know how bands are always breaking up. You know, there's so, so many of the bands that have been on this podcast over the last four years don't even exist anymore. You know, it's like, it's, it's a ever changing thing, but it's, uh, I don't know, man. It's cool. And I, yeah, I love, I just always love to get to see somebody perform before I get to have them on the podcast. Cause it's always going to inform the conversation differently. If I get to see how it's done live, you know, and ca- like, I think you catch so much different stuff when you get to see a performer do their thing rather than just hear the record. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but how yeah, many man. episodes are you on now? Oh, you're going to be episode 210 here this week. Coming so, out on Friday? Coming out on fri- Friday, episode 210. Fucking doing it, bud. You're going to be 35, I think. I'll have to double check that. Nice. I've been um, doing it every other week, and I had a season break for about three months, dude, so I'm behind. Every other week is so smart, and I, I in some ways, wish that that's how I kept it, but... Um, yeah, I've been doing that every week for a long, a long time, and uh, it's cool, man. Um, what is? Uh, how have you been enjoying hosting a podcast and facilitating these conversations with with uh, with musicians? Middle class rock star is the podcast we're doing Middle this. Rock star. We're doing this crazy like crossover thing. So I don't. I'm just trying to make sure your your end is informed as rather as well as mine. And, and, on this and thing. my end is going to inform your end. Uh, your <laughs> podcast is Dan Cable Presents. <laughs> um, but yeah, like what is it? What has that experience been like for you? Well, it's I l- absolutely love doing it. Um, I got a little burnt out towards the end of the first season because I was really I was rushing to get the episodes done. You're like, oh crap. I, it was really good for me to set the deadline and do it. Um, and the first 10, 10 episodes were the trial run. If I, if I couldn't commit to 10 episodes, it wouldn't happen. Now I'm in a routine and it's, you just do it. Um, but I love doing it. I love sitting. I love being the interviewer 
and it's great. I, I'm having conversations. I'm learning great things about the industry. I get to sit down with friends that uh, we normally wouldn't see each other. You and I live across the country. Um, and even friends in Denver who we wouldn't necessarily call each other up to grab lunch because we live on the other side of town and we're busy. It's an excuse to get together and hang out. That aspect I love. I think I can do some things better, though. Um, I think I need to do a better job on the promotion front. I want to get it out to more people. And maybe that's honing in on talking to people in a certain genre or, you know, oh, right dude. now it's it's all kinds of artists. It's all kinds of music biz people. It's not a music business podcast. It's not a human interest podcast. It's right. It's sort of all over the place. And I've I've kind of been thinking, how can I hone it in a little bit and really grow the audience steadily in a better way than I've been doing? You're right, dude. Uh, this is this is my been in my brain a lot lately. I was thinking about this last night about is that where. Am I not approaching this in a good way because I've kept it spread out genre-wise? And sometimes I'll hit these pockets where it's singer-songwriters for four or five weeks, or and then it's four or five weeks of hip-hop and rap. And, and yeah, maybe, like, maybe that's where I'm losing people a little bit, you know? But also, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm also about... This is all the different kinds of music that I enjoy and like too so i'm like i don't, I don't necessarily want to limit it in that way either but uh, but i'm also have been thinking about that a lot if i hey maybe i should just zero in on singer songwriter and rock and roll and indie rock and things of that nature and and try to keep right. it all in right. that pocket but i don't know then i feel like i'm missing out on something or something like that yeah, it's weird. You want to keep it broad so you don't miss out on anything. And at the same time, it, it, it seems like you got to make it smaller to expand the audience. But you you look at some podcasts, like, of course, the classic example, Joe Rogan or WTF. They're so huge, they can talk to whoever the hell they want. Yeah, because the guests have the name, too. I mean, yes. I think for both of those guys and, and a lot of successful podcasts at this point where, like, you know, Rogan and Mark Marin can kind of bring on whomever they want at this point. They're going to have an audience. Right. Um, just of who because they are. of who they are. Um, but I, I don't know. Even Marin will say sometimes, hey, I know that we're getting a lot of new listeners this week because of this guest that's on the podcast. And and that's very much the, the case with my podcast. You know, like the, the bigger episodes is because I drew a bigger name. You yep. know, and uh, which is really great. But uh, I don't know. I think that's where my struggle is because um, people like that and other podcasts that I listen to have been such a big influence on this. And the reason I wanted to do it is because I wanted to, you know, just connect with a bunch of different people that are playing a bunch of different kinds of music and think that just brings a bunch of different perspectives in hopefully yeah abs absolutely i and i mean as far as branding's concerned everybody knows everybody knows that beard everyone knows that daryl beard <laughs> dude i got i don't know I, you, your podcast is known if, in all I, genres my buddy has challenged me to maybe lose the beard for the for the uh, sake of 
the the COVID, the coronavirus, because they're encouraging. I've heard that they're encouraging people with big beards that it's not a great idea to have that during this time. Oh, for what germs? Yeah, I guess they're like using a mask isn't as effective, I guess, with the beard in the way. I see. So I don't know. This might be the time, man, where I just fucking go mustache. Dude. I haven't seen my face in years. You know what would have been good for my podcast is if you shaved your beard on it. Whoa. Like if you did it like right now, you know? I, I'm going to have to do that. Like that's going to have to be its own video that I do for my <laughs> for my YouTube channel, the shaving yeah. of my beard. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you have a girlfriend. I do. I do. It, that likes beards. Yeah. Yeah. She does. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a part of the... I don't think I think she would be none too stoked if she came to my house and I just had a mustache. Do you think maybe <laughs> she doesn't even know if she's attracted to your face yet? Oh, I don't even know. I I told her that it's probably not a good idea that anyone sees my face. Like I like I said, <laughs> I I haven't seen it in years. You know. Yeah. So when did when when did how long have you had that thing? Oh man, I don't know. I feel like I've had a pretty large beard since the age of 25 so about almost 10 years now it's impressive um but i don't even know like, like the last time i i trimmed it down really short i was just, every time i do that it's I, i'm just very usually very disappointed in myself so i just i just don't think it's beneficial for anyone yeah <laughs> or my self-esteem so it's, it's <laughs> hey man if i if i could i would that's what I say about people with great beards. If I could, I would. <laughs> so, you, yeah. I, I, you, you're finding your finding your footing in the scene and always analyzing what to do next in the podcast. It, it's a segue for me. I want to ask you about your other podcasts because Hell yeah. not not only do you have one podcast now, you also Dan Cable presents, which we're on. Dan Table presents Cable presents <laughs> slash Middle Class Rockstar. But yeah, you also have between the pipes. You're a huge hockey fan. <laughs> you play hockey still. You're a goalie with yeah. all the gear and everything. And then you recently started with uh, a previous guest on my podcast and yours, Andrew Harrison, another podcast called Bible Buds. Uh, and I, great episode of Middle Class Rockstar uh, with with Andrew Harrison. I really yes. enjoyed it. Was fun to listen to you to chat. Um, I think that's the best when you can put on a podcast. And you know both of the people involved, and it starts to feel like every any other podcast that you listen to. Yeah, that's where it's really at. Like, yeah, that was that was a very cool experience for me to get to listen to that, just because I, it was, it was about some things that I didn't even know about Andrew, like some of his trajectory of where he got to. But um, I love yeah, that. man, messing with some other podcasts. I honestly haven't done between the pipes in about a year. So I, I don't want to take any credit for that. I did put out four episodes last year, and I hope to it has a return in uh, at some point because I do love hockey. And, uh, yeah, I play some beer league hockey usually a couple nights a week. That's probably the thing that's got me most bugged out about this quarantine life is not being able to play hockey a couple nights a week is fucking – it's uh, it's messing with me a little bit. But uh, <clears throat> so I haven't done that. Yeah, in a, in a hot minute, but this Bible Buds podcast that I've been doing with, with a Andrew, great, great 
I love the the cover. Dude, got to shout it. out my my friend Chris Spicer who's been a guest on the Dan Cable Presents podcast with his band Camp Crush a couple times and just someone that I met real early on moving up to Portland. Um, one of the, one of my first uh, friends up here, uh, he did the logo for us. But uh, yeah, the, the so the premise for this thing, which was pretty much just this stone thought that I had a couple times that I thought it would be uh, really great to start this podcast in which uh, it just gets super baked and, uh, you know, smoke some of that. So smoke some of that reefer and then uh, do a little Bible study almost. You know, I grew up. Ca- <laughs> I, I grew up Catholic. Yeah. And uh, nothing militant uh, in my house. You know, I usually went to church most Sundays with my with my yeah. mom and uh, but never really had a strong connection to it. It was just kind of part of my my family's culture. You know, you went to church on Sunday. I was Catholic or whatever. And um, yeah. And then just kind of skipped out on religion for a while and uh, just always kind of had uh, some spiritual curiosity though, for sure. And uh, I, I told Andrew about this one night. I was like, dude, I just want to do this podcast where you and I get super ripped and we talk about the Bible because I know that he grew up religious and a um, little more um, into it than I was. He, he knows way more about the Bible than I do. Like he's very familiar with it where I am. I am not at all. This is kind of like my first time going through. So what we do is we, we pretty much do a Bible study and, and more or less we, we pick a uh, part of the Bible to both read and then we get together and we um, and we discuss what we have read and we get super baked before and we have these these stoned conversations with each other about the Bible and it's been fun, man. We're just like kind of attacking it from a, a non-Christian perspective. Neither of us identify that way, both spiritually curious and we're not really trying to necessarily tear it down and poke holes because it's pretty easy to do with something that's so like far out as the Bible. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, we're just seeing what kind of truths we can pull out of it for ourselves and, and just getting each other's interpretations is, is funny sometimes. And, uh, just, I don't know, we're, we're probably attacking it a little more mystical and, and psychedelic <laughs> than anything else. You know, we're just right. There's, there's usually at least two moments in each episode where we're just like, yeah, and this is where Jesus is on his psychedelic trip, you know, and, and, uh, make some reference to that. But we've also, uh, the last couple episodes we've had guests on and that's a big goal for us is to, to have some people on to talk about their experiences, whether they identify as a Christian or any other religion currently, or they do well, not. You had a- Andrew's brother on, right? Dude, Andrew's brother was so sick to have on because he's this PhD in religious in religious studies. He knows studies. a whole lot about the Bible. So much. And that's the cool thing is like we've had guests on the last couple of weeks and both of them have uh, really informed my perspective now of reading it as I go forward, I have these little pieces of knowledge to kind of like take with me to the next episode. So that's been really cool, man. It's really just us fucking around. We probably have like 10 people that are paying attention to it right now. And it's, it's just so fun to start something like that and not have any expectations. 
that's where like it's all like I don't care if anyone listens to it. It's super fun to get together with Andrew every week and do this thing. It's an excuse so. to hang out with your buddy and and it's I, it was funny the way you just described it because I was actually going to ask. I can't tell. I've known you guys for a long time, and I, I I know yeah I've just I've known you both for a while, especially Andrew, and I've known you know I've I've seen him go through different phases spiritually. You know, even though we've had several years of being rather disconnected, um, I've seen this over time, and I was trying to listen as if I didn't know either of you. And I and I thought if I didn't know either of you, it would be sometimes hard to tell if you guys are deeply religious and just talking about it in like an acid trip sort of way, or if you're ripping on the Bible. And that's what was so funny about it is you just, you can't like, there was, you guys are just talking about the Bible high and, and that's what's beautiful about it. Um, you know, and when you hear a familiar Bible story, I mean, it it reminds me of drunken history a little bit, you know, (laughs) where just like, so like, Cain and Abel, you know, the brothers, one of them killed the other one. And yeah. I, and I and I loved it. I just thought it was, uh, I think it's highly entertaining. My podcast <laughs> listening has gone way, way down because in quarantine, I go running every morning and I listen to music. I got to listen to a beat, but yeah. I'm not driving 100 miles a day anymore. So I haven't listened right. to a podcast in four weeks, to be honest, anybody's. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. If I wasn't going, I'm still going to work every day. And if I wasn't, I would probably be listening to a lot less podcasts. It's probably good for people that I'm still going to work because if I wasn't, dude, I would just be putting out like five podcast episodes a week. That's all I would be doing. It would just be <laughs> podcasting. I, I I like recording conversations probably to a fault. Like my cousin and I just rebooted this this podcast that we started before I started Dan Cable Presents called uh, I Dig Records, where yeah. we do like he picks a record, I pick a record, we both listen to it and we discuss, and then we play the record in the background during certain parts for for context and whatnot, and play a couple jams off the record. But uh, we just started doing that, and I released the first episode of it. I'm just putting it in my Dan Cable Presents feed. And I'm going to try and release one every other week while he's just sitting at home doing nothing. But he was telling me the other day, he's just like, I love that both of us really enjoy spending our time hanging out with the mics on. Like we're just both really into just recording all these conversations that we're having. So, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a blast. It's It's a blast. Um, I, I wanted to mention too, before I forget, I, in terms of Bible buds, Andrew's first two EPs that came out when he was in high school, and I have copies of both of them, are both uh, very uh, spiritual albums or religious albums. Oh, you really? Know? I mean, they were like Christian Christian albums. Yeah, you have you have those? I have them. Oh, please do send them over. <laughs> uh, he definitely hasn't shown me these these records, so I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to like surprise him. Um, on maybe a, a future episode of Bible Buds and be like, dude, I just want to first start this episode off by talking about some early music that you put out and, and just talking about that. That'd be, that'd be play a track, great. play Elohim, Ooh. just play oh, it. Oh, dude, I would love that so much. Yeah. Um, so what's your, what, it, what have you been doing during this quarantine? Cause you're somebody that plays 
so many shows every year. You're on the road a lot, gigging all year, and now you're in this spot where you can't play live shows. And I know that I've been talking to a lot of musicians that aren't finding a lot of like, aren't really finding this inspiring in a way where they're writing a bunch of tunes right now. Um, where are you at with things right now? I'm inspired a thousand percent Hell and yeah. I'm making, I'm making the best, <laughs> I'm making the best of the time. Um, no doubt it sucks, but I'm making the best of it and I'm enjoying certain aspects of it. And that's what I'm focusing on. First off, the important thing is everybody's health and safety. So, um, when it's a life or death situation for so many people, your agenda means nothing. It's no longer important. And I, and I respect that and that's how it should be. Um, but that aside, this is how it is. I'm sitting in my room and you're sitting in yours. Um, the live thing, the not being able to play, uh, play live totally stinks. Uh, music keeps me up at night and gets me out of bed in the morning. And I, I wanted to be a musician because I wanted to play live. I listened to CDs and pictured myself as the guitar player or the lead singer or the keyboard player. And I pictured myself in front of all those people as if it was me singing the song. And if it weren't for the live performance aspect, I wouldn't be doing music. I didn't, we didn't have YouTube when I was a little kid or a bunch of social media. So I didn't necessarily grow up in the age of, I'm going to be an Instagram or I'm going to be a YouTuber. I, everything I do to promote myself is to get more people out to my live shows. So that, that stinks. We were supposed to, we'd be in Canada right now. We had, uh, I invested a lot in this Canadian run. Um, and we have, uh, people up there that come see us that feel like family. And, um, so that stinks, but I'm home. I've been spending a lot of time in the studio. I've been working on album tracks with the band that are incomplete. Um, I've been doing, I did a Graceland cover that we're finishing up. That's a totally different arrangement where I, collaborated with a percussionist i played all the instruments except for the percussion and it's it's fun i'm teaching zoom lessons every day so i'm getting uh i'm getting to still see my students and that's been a fun experience doing the online lesson thing and i've been writing i've written uh i've been written several songs in here and even when a song doesn't come out i'm still writing stuff down um because this is such a bizarre situation and, yeah. and I'm spending quality time. You know, my girlfriend and I just moved into this place right as the quarantine started. And our day is planned around our meals, which has never happened. It's a, it's a quick grab Taco Bell between lessons. I'm home at 930 from my lesson. She's up at six to go teach. And we've gotten to cook together and have a drink on the porch together and watch a TV show together. And I... I treasure that and I realize that the, this amount of quality time is, is fleeting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude, absolutely. Um, you also feel like maybe this was, this is kind of like the ideal perfect time in where you're at musically and this kind of geeking out on production right now that this couldn't have happened at a better time for you in some ways. In some ways, yes. I'm I'm torn and I'm trying, like I said, focus on the good things. Yeah. In the production thing, I'm making content and I'm making good content and I'm working on building my socials because that's what I can do to to make a better live show when it's over. So right. that's good. I'm a little, you know, I've been a little concerned 
lately in general, and especially because this has happened, I'll be 29 in August, which I know is still young, but I feel like once you get into your 30s, it gets a lot harder to establish yourself. You don't have to be big yet, but it gets a lot harder to be well-established. And I feel like I'm not well-established yet, and I need to be out on the road. I don't have kids yet, um, but I don't know what that's going to look like in five or six years. And before that kind of thing happens, I need to be more established than I am now, and I feel like I'm losing up to a year of my prime when it talks about touring. And and that scares me, honestly, in terms of getting to where I want to be, which is an artist who sells out 500 to 1,000 cap rooms across the country. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully you can uh, establish yourself in other ways too is like leaning into the production thing and producing other artist stuff as well. I would imagine that that's like a great way to establish yourself moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, you know, you can always, there's always a new uh, branch to come off the tree and you just, you never know which one's going to, I'm going to stop that metaphor. You get what I'm talking about. No, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But again, you know, and all the times I've gotten to spend time with you or talk to you about this stuff and, and just to see how you always seem to be trying to move shit forward in some way and, like, learn something new. Like, it just seems like you're going to continue to do that so that you can get to where you want to be. And, like, Absolutely. I don't know. That, that drive is, is very impressive and inspiring that you seem to, like, continue on with that. I appreciate that. No, it's uh, I I will and I will until the day I die, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. And uh, I don't know. It seemed like you got you had a couple pretty big shows last year playing the the Ogden Theater. Is that how you say it? The yeah, yeah, the Ogden. The Ogden. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've been. It's the, these last few months have been a bunch of uh, cool local shows. We did the Ogden with Co Wetzel. Um, I got to do a couple dates uh, in D.C. and Denver with Chuck Prophet, who's one of my favorite songwriters. I got to do a show with Brett Denon. So there's been some cool stuff. Uh, and I, I almost I feel fortunate that I got in like all these badass shows within the last three or four months before, before this all happened, you know? Uh, yeah, because who knows what it's going to be like even when we're allowed to have shows again. Like right. what the capacity of these shows will be like and who's willing to just go out and be in a room with a bunch of people right away. Red Rocks is gonna isn't gonna be uh isn't gonna be doing shows next week. That's for sure. Yeah, dude. Um how is this has this changed your teaching approach much? Like has it been pretty seamless to just be able to do this in another room or is it really fucking hard sometimes when you want to like be able to physically show the student on the guitar or the keys well, it depends on the student. Um, there's students that are visual learners. There's students where I've had them for six years and I just want to reach through the computer and grab their hands and show and place <laughs> it because, because that, because that's how they learn. You know, right. they need, they, they, if I grab their two hands and show them the syncopation, then they just play it instantly. Um, so that thing's a little, that's a little tricky, but I think I've become a better teacher and I think the lessons have been more valuable um, I'm not drained from a 40 mile commute each way. Um, 
I have multiple camera angles set up and then I send supplementary material too. I have Marco Polo set up and I send them a video of how to play everything because I don't have to commute. I send them a quick video and, uh, I think the lessons have actually gotten better and I hope that people, um, can keep, I can keep doing some online lessons cause it's, it's simpler in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask is like, do you think that this is probably going to be more of the future of what you're doing? for yourself when when things do resume to being you know a little bit more normalized about being able to hang out in the room with people if i can absolutely if people will do it um it's just a matter of the families i love doing the online thing because it it keeps me uh three feet away from my refrigerator and my bed and out of my car and i love that yeah, I love uh, I love being close. It 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 adds a lot of productivity to my day, uh, to not have to commute anywhere. Yeah, so. and maybe getting to uh, give lessons to people that are aren't really in the Denver area necessarily. You don't have to even focus on on that demographic. You can expand out. No, absolutely. And and uh, so, what about for you? How are um, I'm sure you're going crazy not playing hockey. Um, yeah, dude. Are sure. are you? How's, how are you doing with all this? What's, what's been positive for you and what's been negative? So, like I said, I'm still going to a day job every day. So I feel like my situation is a little bit different than those who are really quarantined. Um, sure. So my day job can be a little stressful is just because it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's different circumstances right now and it's business is kind of unpredictable. So we're just trying to figure out what the new normal is right now. Um, but I, I am working shortened hours. We're, we're open half of our hours now. So the, the positive thing is that I have maybe an extra couple hours throughout the day uh, when I get home or even before work. I go in a little later. So I'm just trying to, I don't know, I'm trying to make the most of that time. I'm trying to use that to do the stuff that, I would like to do, you know, like doing these extra podcast episodes with my cousin or, you know, Andrew and I are like on a weekly thing with our Bible Buds podcast. I love it. So like we're already, we've already kind of like committed to this weekly release. So there's like that's going on. But yeah, I'm just trying to also, you know, I'm trying to appreciate things slowing down because I am somebody that's out a couple nights a week playing hockey and I'm usually trying to go to at least one or two shows each week. And then I, and then I have the podcast to do. So it's good for me for things to slow down a bit for sure. I'm just trying to, uh, I'm just trying to use the time wisely. I see, I see a lot of, I, there seems to be two camps of people. I see, I see these yeah. things getting posted every once in a while that say, Hey, don't be so hard on yourself if you're not doing all those things that you said you wanted to do while you're in quarantine. When you had time, yeah. And, yo, I appreciate that. And, like, you shouldn't necessarily, like, put addition, like, make it an overwhelming thing for yourself, you know, because I think that that can lead to other mental health things where, where it becomes really overwhelming. But also, you're sitting, if you're really at home for these three, four weeks, six weeks if it becomes that and you're not doing shit that you wanted to do like i i don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense to me either like uh yeah like but i'm also i have learned that i'm somebody that 
ties self-worth to my productivity. So like, I also have to realize that for myself, but man, if I was at home during this quarantine, like I said, I, this is good for people. I'd be, just, I would just be doing so many podcasts. <laughs> it's so, so you're in that camp. You're in the same camp as I am. You're in yeah, that dude. I would just be like trying people. to do shit. Like right now I'm yeah. trying to even still find out how to be productive. I'm trying to, I'm, fucking trying to figure out how to not get fat while I'm not playing hockey. I'm like trying to, you know, you're doing a great job by you keep up that morning run, which is like that impresses the fuck out of me because I just, I'm not a great runner and it's, it's hard for me to want to do something like that. So it's nice that, that you have like, that's part of like your normalized exercise, right? The, it, well, that's where I forget about life, and I don't even realize I'm running. I just listen to music, but it's right. now. And I've always been a big runner, but now in quarantine, it's a big deal for me because that's my big outing for the day. You know, yeah, it's that's, nice. that's like all right. I'm gonna I'm going to the mall. <laughs> Not really, I'm going on my run. <laughs> yeah, and like I got to figure out how to take a walk. You know, like put put a joint together and at least take a walk. You got you know? to. Yes, <laughs> you should do it. You should do it every day. Go, go walk by the river or whatever it is. Yeah, man. Um, I know you. You gotta probably get rolling here. Yeah, I wanted uh, to. Uh, do you have a final question? I have a final question. Um. No, man. I think that like you've you've definitely you know these are the things that I wanted to talk to you about. I just wanted to see how you've remained your productivity and like I I assume that you were gonna be in that camp of the one that the ones that like really try to use this as a time to grind and, and try to figure out how to restructure some things for yourself during this time. I would imagine. Absolutely. Just how you can be more efficient, more effective with what you're doing. And it's, it's so sick that you're leaning into like the production and getting more comfortable with engineering stuff. Like, I think that's just going to be so rad for you moving forward and, and also getting to, use those tools with other people and not just your own productions. Cause right. like you said, that's obviously going to reveal pieces to you and inform your own songwriting down the road too. Absolutely. Um, it, as far as the getting things done, you're in, you're in the same boat as me. And I, I feel guilty at night when I don't accomplish everything I want to. And you know, For it's sure, man. It, because I, I feel like we need to take full advantage of this time because it, we probably won't have another time in our lives where we can sit around this much. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a valuable time. And I, and I just, every night when I go to bed, I think about how much more stuff there is to do. It's never ending, but that's, that's what keeps it exciting, right? <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you a question, um, as, as an influencer, what, what should art, what should artists be doing right now? In your opinion, um, we're not, we're not playing live shows should what should artists be doing should everybody have a podcast should everybody yeah. be live streaming so that's where i'm going to take it um i think in my opinion one of the things that the comedians of the world of the world have done such a great job with is starting podcasts and uh so that people can get to know them. And I think that gives the people a reason, more of an attachment to go to their shows when they're coming through town. Yeah. Even if it is like on an independent, more independent level. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of surprised that more musicians haven't done it yet. Yeah. Um, and I know some, some are, and there's probably more than I 
know of. And also, like, I understand that the podcast market is incredibly saturated. Uh, there's thousands of podcasts going new ones every single day, and it's really hard to get any visibility. But I don't know. I think the more you can get like engaged with people on a level where maybe you're just having conversations or, and it doesn't have to be long. I don't think, I think it can be like a shorter form thing, even if it's like a 15 minute thing that you put out every week. Um, I think that's definitely a helpful thing. You know, I think podcasts are becoming more and more mainstream every day. Um, and, uh, I think it's a, a cool way to approach things, but I think the same thing can probably be like get accomplished by going on Instagram live and just, like trying to interact with uh with people um there but also i don't know be authentic with it you know if if you don't feel like you're somebody that wants to be in front of a microphone and interacting on that way then i think that's fine too you know just figure out like still just lean into the stuff that you are about and if you're just about making music then figure out how to like make really high quality sounding live stream stuff right now or like figure out how to put a song out once a week or something or you know whatever's going to keep people engaged yeah yeah i think that's <laughs> that's great that was a whole lot of that was a whole lot of advice a lot. for a whole lot of people that's a lot yeah also like yeah i don't know if you really need my advice you know i'm over here working a Absolutely. day job and shit so <laughs> Dude, you've you've got you've got the life, you've got it mapped out. Um, I don't I don't know about that. I'm you know doing what I can with what I got and just trying to like like you. I'm just trying to keep moving shit forward and figuring out how to strategize. The mind doesn't often go quiet on me, so yeah, right, right. Well, um, so much fun fucking catching up with you though, dude. I'm sorry man, you're that it's one of been those... so long. We we had I this know. we had this goal to do this monthly this monthly phone conversation that we probably have to like figure out how to reboot in some ways, but I'm stoked that we uh we connected again. Yeah, it's uh your audio just got really weird on those last two sentences. Hopefully that's not in the recording. We'll find out. Well it's <laughs> definitely not in my recording okay. over here. So you send that's me the good you news. send me yours and I'll send oh, you yeah. mine. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, Say we're Looking doing every we're doing everything online now. <laughs> um, you're you're one of those people. Uh, you're one of those people I don't get lunch with often enough. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Likewise, dude. No, but you're also one of those people that like. There's, I mean, I've connected with a lot of people doing this podcast, and it's been cool. But it's, uh, I think I've also gained like some pretty cool friendships out of it was with people that like I would hang out with if I wasn't two states away. Like I've just, uh, I, I value your time and getting to hang with you, Andy. You're a cool dude. Hey, a hundred percent. I, I wish it likewise. Uh, I always have so much fun with you and it's, I, again, I wish we got to do it more often. We have to bring back the monthly, the monthly convo and we yeah, have buddy. to make sure we have to make sure to, be on each other's podcasts like annually. I think that's been a thing. Yeah, or even fuck it, it can be more than annually. You know, let's do it. it. Can be whatever, whatever it needs to be. You know, maybe we'll just have, I'll just we'll just have another podcast. We'll have our own podcast called the Monthly. And, the mo uh, oh, there you go, <laughs> there you go. I love it. Um, I'm gonna play my episode out with uh, 
one of your more recent singles, which is uh, Still My Girl, which you have like this really cool lyric video for with the stick people. I feel like you're you're always pushing the creativity with those with those videos, man. I think that's really great. So it took me way too long to make, but it is. But it's cute. Check it out. <laughs> um, can I get you to say the tagline? The it's a program. I was ju- I was just gonna say uh, I need to say it on mine and yours uh, for today, and I want to point out. I don't know if you remember this that I fucked up the tagline last time. Uh, that's likely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. I I don't know if I'd had uh, too many. You had four, too many drinks in that. Too in many that four bar noses before beers. The stage. Yeah, yeah. That that was very likely. But I said you were on the road last time. I said that's a program. And, well, uh, it's it's a program. Yeah, that is not a program, but it is. <laughs> um, so I'm going to redeem myself today. It's a program. Hell yeah. Uh, I appreciate getting to be a ghost, uh, a guest, a ghost. I appreciate to get, to get to be a ghost on your, uh, on your program. Middle You're not class a ghost. Rockstar. We're going, we're going, uh, we're doing visuals for the first time ever. <laughs> we're giving it a go. Um, yeah, dude, I appreciate the fuck out of the hang. I'll definitely put all the links in the episode notes so people can follow along with you. And, uh, I'm going to play this, uh, this episode, this episode 210 of Dan Cable Presents out with uh, Still My Girl from Andy and episode 30-something for me. Hell yeah, dude. This is so <laughs> much fun. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we'll catch you on the flip side, Portland, or wherever the hell you're listening from. Be safe out there. All right. I love the way you look at the TV, but you never watch the news. I love the way you judge the people. Who would never try to hurt you It's okay, dear Cause you're still my girl I love the way you go to church When you don't believe the prayers get answered And the way you sing their songs Like you just wrote them on a napkin It's okay, dear Cause you're still my Oh, 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 the way you do all the things you do, you don't know what you got me into. Oh, oh, cause you're still my girl. Love the empty bottle of booze. When you claim that you quit drinking And the way you cover it up With a fresh stain on the landing It's okay, dear I'll clean it up for you I love the way you write your tests With no apparent answers Just cause you smoke Doesn't mean you'll get cancer It's okay, dear Cause you're still my girl Still my girl
It's a program.